verses 2 through 6. Genesis 39, verses 2 through 6. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was, he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know uh, what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Everybody likes a finish line. Finish lines tell you definitively that you're done with whatever you're involved in. Some finish lines are really close at hand, like when you're mowing the lawn, you know when you cross the finish line, you know when the lawn is finished. Or when you're working for the weekend, you know definitively when Friday afternoon at five o'clock arrives, you know the weekend has begun. You've crossed the finish line of the work week. Some finish lines are farther out in our lives, for young people, graduation from high school. It's a finish line, much to be desired, but still maybe a few years away. For those of us who are older, maybe we have a vague idea of when retirement will happen. Maybe we have a vague notion of that. And at least we have in our minds the idea that one day I'll cross that finish line and my working career will be finished. What do you do with the finish lines that you're not sure about? that you have no guarantee or even no idea of when you're going to cross that line. Maybe somebody is fighting a chronic illness and the doctors are doing what they can to treat us and we're going and finding all kinds of different methods and ways to treat the illness that we're afflicted with, but there's no guarantee that we may ever cross the finish line of defeating that illness. Maybe it's something like you're caring about somebody and you're praying for somebody who's astray to come home to God. And you love that person and you want that person more than anything else. You want that person to make their lives right with the master. But you're not sure if you're ever really going to cross that finish line, if they're going to come home. Or what about... Many of you even this morning have said, I wonder when we're going to cross the finish line of wearing these masks. I wonder where the last finish line is going to be when all of a sudden we can take the mask off and we can go to Walmart and we can walk in breathing freedom. I don't know. I can't tell you where that finish line is and I suspect nobody can at this point. What about when you're struggling with mistreatment? Maybe on the job, maybe someplace in your life, there is something that's being done to you that's, that's wrong, it's unfair. Somebody's mistreating you, taking advantage of you, oppressing you in some way. And there's no end in sight. There's no light at the end of that tunnel. There's no way that you can know when I arrive at this particular date and time, I know I will have crossed the finish line. Finish lines are something we think about actually quite a bit, don't we? And yet a lot of the finish lines in our lives we have no idea when we'll cross them. 
What we need when we don't know where the finish line is, is the discipline of endurance. And Joseph is a tremendous example of what spiritual faithful endurance looks like. This past week in our study together, in our Bible reading together as a congregation, we've been reading about the life of Joseph. And I want to point this out this morning. As we begin our study, just think about the book of Genesis generally. The book of Genesis has 50 chapters, 50 chapters, and it covers about two and a half millennia of time, 2,500 years or so. And Genesis can be outlined or remembered this way. Genesis deals with four great events, the creation, the fall of man in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, the flood of Noah's day, and the Tower of Babel. Four great events. And then the book of Genesis deals with four great men. Starting in Genesis chapter 12, through the end of the book, Genesis deals in sequence with the life of Abraham, then the life of Isaac, Abraham's son, the son of promise, then the life of Jacob, Isaac's son, and then the life of Joseph. And what's really fascinating is, from a time perspective, centuries are dealt with in the first 36 chapters of Genesis. Centuries go by. But then from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50, the Bible's only dealing with a period of about 30 or so years in the life of Joseph. It's as if the camera is just sweeping through history. And when you get to Genesis 37 and we start reading about the life of Joseph, everything goes into, relatively speaking, slow motion. And one quarter of the book of Genesis deals with the life of this one faithful man who endured and was faithful to God even when he didn't see the finish line. Even when he didn't understand how long he was going to endure the suffering and the circumstances of his life. Joseph is an example of how God works in the world in divine providence, and that's a worthy study. But Joseph is also an example of what endurance looks like, and that is something that people today need to take home and live in their lives. That's why I've chosen to speak about endurance this morning. The New Testament talks about endurance quite a bit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, the Hebrews writer was speaking to some suffering Christians, and he said to them, you have need of endurance. You need to hold on. You can't see the finish line. You don't know how long your suffering is going to continue, but you need to endure so that you can inherit and obtain the promises that God has made to you. Hang on. Don't give up. Don't stop living for Jesus. He doesn't stop there, though. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, laying aside every sin and the weight which so easily besets us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He said, your life and mine is like a race. And it's a race, and you don't know where the finish line is. You don't know how long this race will continue. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. We need endurance. In James chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is the man who endures under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who endures, he said. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, 
endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Have you ever read much of military history? Have you ever put yourself in the shoes or the combat boots of soldiers who are dropped in enemy territory and sometimes because of circumstances abandoned to almost impossible assignments, impossible tasks? What does a good soldier do? A good soldier doesn't turn and run. A good soldier endures and tries up until the point of his death to accomplish the mission that he's been given. Endure hardship, Christian, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We need the discipline of endurance in our lives. And Joseph shows us in very practical ways what that looks like. What does it look like to endure and to be faithful to God when I don't know when the finish line will be crossed? What does that look like? From a practical perspective, how can I serve God faithfully when I don't know how long until I cross the finish line? Three questions this morning will deal with our study. The first question is, why is endurance needed? Or excuse me, when is endurance needed? As we look at the life of Joseph, when did Joseph need endurance? If you go back in your mind and you think about the readings from this past week, and you think about, we began in Genesis chapter 37 when Joseph was a favored son. Jacob had 12 sons. But Jacob really loved Joseph and Benjamin especially because they were from Jacob's preferred wife, Rachel. They were his, or they were Rachel's children. And so Jacob gives Joseph a coat that is of many colors. Remember, he favored his son. And not only that, but God began to give Joseph some dreams. It's very evident. Joseph has dreams about sheaves of wheat, and some of the sheaves are bowing down to his sheep. And, and it's, it's as if he's saying that all of my family, they're going to one day bow down to me. And that's a dream that's a revelation from God. God gave him these dreams. His father gave him this coat of many colors. His father gave him preferential treatment among his brothers. And guess what? That didn't sit too well with Joseph's family, with his brothers, not even with his father, the dream stuff. When is endurance needed? Endurance is needed first and foremost in times of confusion. Genesis 37, 3 through 11, all of these things are given to Joseph and people respond negatively to the blessings in Joseph's life. And there may even be a little bit of naivety in Joseph. The fact that he's going and telling these dreams to people around him, although it was important for them to hear the dream. The fact that Joseph, this young man, 17 years old, goes and tells his family, here's the dream that God gave me. They resent Joseph. They hate Joseph. He's confused. Sometimes in our lives, the blessings that God gives us they can become sources of resentment for others. We need to endure in times of confusion. But not only that, as you read on in the life of Joseph, we need endurance in times of affliction. 
The brothers hate Joseph so much, the Bible says in Genesis 37, that they can't even speak a civil word to him. They are so upset with their brother. They are so upset with the kind of, of blessings that he has and the fact that their father loves him more. Nothing is happy, it seems, in Joseph's family. And so his brothers concoct this plan, first to kill him, but then that alters a little bit and they sell him into slavery. Can you imagine the hardness of heart, how much you would have to hate somebody, especially a member of your own family, to think that it was a good idea to sell them into slavery for 20 pieces of silver? That's exactly what they did with Joseph. And in fact, Psalm 105 verse 18 actually gives us some inspired commentary on this. The Bible says that they put him in irons. They put his feet in fetters. So even though Genesis doesn't tell us that, Psalms does. What had Joseph done wrong? He just listened to his father and went out to check on his brothers and now he found himself in the furnace of affliction, sold into slavery. What are you going to do, Joseph? How are you going to respond? What kind of person are you going to become? Oh, but it doesn't stop there. As you read on the life of Joseph and you get over into Genesis chapter 39, he finds himself in slavery and the Bible says that his master Potiphar's wife looks upon Joseph and wants to lie with him. And this temptation does not come to Joseph just once, it comes repeatedly, repeatedly, day after day, the Bible says. She comes to him and she tempts him, stay with me, lie with me. And day after day, he flees from her and he says something very noble. He says, how can I commit this great sin against God? How can I do this? How can I betray my master's trust? How can I be the kind of person who fails to endure, who fails to be faithful when I'm tempted? When is endurance needed in your life and mine? It's needed in times of confusion. I don't know why things are the way they are. It's needed in times of affliction, especially when that affliction seems undeserved. It's needed in times of temptation especially when temptation comes repeatedly in our lives. Will I endure? Will I be faithful? The Bible says in Proverbs 25, verse 28, a man who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Self-control. Well, things don't improve for Joseph. He stands for what's right. He does what's right. And in, instead of finding deliverance, he finds things go from bad to worse out of the frying pan into the fire. Joseph is accused of attempted rape by Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar believes his wife because why would you believe a Hebrew slave? And so Joseph is falsely accused, falsely convicted, and thrown into prison. He finds himself a prisoner now, not just a slave in the land of Egypt. What's he done that's deserving of any of this? When is endurance needed? I'll tell you something. You know, endurance is something that's significant because it's easy. It's not difficult to endure when lives are blessed, when we're comfortable, when we're happy, when we're fulfilled, when we're satisfied. Those things, endurance, just kind of comes naturally. But it's when we're confused and afflicted and oppressed and when things go from bad to even worse that's when the people of God need endurance. Then, as you read on the life of Joseph, you'll find the Bible says that he's disappointed. 
The chief butler and the chief baker are in prison with Joseph and they both have dreams in Genesis chapter 40. And Joseph interprets their dreams and the chief butler says, I'm about to be restored to Pharaoh and Joseph asks a favor of him. Joseph says, when you're restored to Pharaoh's service, will you please remember me? Will you please put in a good word for me? You have Pharaoh's ear and what's happened to me is not right. It's not just, it's not fair. And would you please speak a good word for me in the presence of Pharaoh? And the butler says, I'll remember. But then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 40, verse 23, that as soon as he was restored, he forgot his promise to Joseph. And it wasn't until two years later that he remembered his fault. Have you ever trusted people to do the right thing? Have you ever trusted people to help you out and they disappointed you in some way? When is endurance needed? When do we need to resolve that we're going to be faithful to God no matter what? Joseph shows us a number of situations where that's true. But then we take this entire story and we turn it around and we ask, all right, endurance is needed in all these times, but what does endurance really look like? What does it look like to be faithful to God in all of these circumstances? Watch the life of Joseph. What does God want you and me to glean from this story, from this account? Yes, God's working in history to deliver his people. Yes, Joseph, the Bible says, was sent ahead of his brothers to deliver them and to save them from the famine that God knew was coming decades in advance. But what does endurance look like along the way? Watch Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 13. Consistently in the life of Joseph, you find that no matter how he is mistreated, no matter how he is misjudged, no matter how he is afflicted, Joseph is obedient to authority. He listened to his father's voice, Genesis 37, verse 13. uh, Jacob said, I want you to go check on your brothers. And Joseph said, here I am. You never read of any kind of rebellious, fight back, push back type of attitude in the life of Joseph. He's sold into slavery and he becomes Potiphar's best worker. He's thrown in prison and he becomes so reliable and so trustworthy that the guard of the prison puts him over the other prisoners. He shows himself to be so submissive and reliable that Pharaoh can put him in charge of all of his grain and all of his crops and not have to worry about how Joseph might be trying to subvert him. Brothers and sisters and friends, listen. God commands his people to be obedient to authority. Well, what if the authorities are misguided? What if the authorities mistreat people? God commands his people to be submissive to authorities. Read 1 Peter 2, verses 12 through 17. The Bible commands us to do so. It's part of our faithful endurance to Christ. Whether it be our parents, whether it be government authorities, whether it be an eldership in a local congregation, God commands as a matter of endurance, obedience. And you see that in the life of Joseph. What else? He is industrious. That means he works hard. And he's trustworthy. You could accuse Joseph of maybe many things, but you could never accuse him of being lazy. Everywhere Joseph finds himself, he does his best. So much so that Potiphar, this slave owner in Egypt, recognizes how good and how trustworthy Joseph is. Puts him in charge of his entire household. The Bible even says in Genesis 39 verses 1 through 6, Potiphar has no idea what's going on in most of his household. He trusts Joseph with those details. And he knows Joseph's reliable. You want to endure 
You want to be loyal to Christ when you don't know where the finish line is? Show yourself to be dependable, industrious, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. What does it mean to endure? It means that we show self-control when we're tempted. Potiphar's wife. Nobody will find out. I'm far from home. My own family has rejected me. But God knows. And God would know if Joseph gave in. How can I commit this great sin against God? The fruit of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, is among other things self-control. Galatians 5, verse 23. Add to your faith no, virtue, your virtue knowledge, your knowledge self-control. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Self-control is part of a Christian life in times of temptation. It's endurance. What does endurance look like in the life of Joseph? Joseph is responsible. He's the kind of person that you can put over an assignment, put over a task, and you don't have to follow after Joseph and micromanage him, and you don't have to constantly send him emails and ask, hey, did you get this done? And you don't have to constantly remind him of what needs to take place. Joseph knows what the task is, he knows what his responsibility is, and he says, I'm taking this as a matter of personal honor and of faithfulness to God, I'm going to get done what I've been given to do. He's responsible. And so even when he's thrown in prison, Joseph shows himself to be responsible, so much so that the jailer is able to say, I want you to be in charge of the prisoners. I want you to take care of some of the details of running the prison day to day. What does endurance look like? Look at the life of Joseph. He's helpful to others. He didn't have to tell the butler and the baker what their dreams meant. Didn't have to. These men had dreams that were troubling. And I mean, these guys are servants of Pharaoh. And by the way, Pharaoh is the one who's really responsible for me being in this predicament. Here I am in Egypt. I was a slave and now I'm a prisoner in one of Pharaoh's prisons. Why should I help him? Why should I help any of his servants? But that's not Joseph's attitude. Joseph is helpful because he has insight and he has understanding that's going to bless these men's lives. And Joseph, when he is lifted out of prison and put over the land of Egypt, Joseph shows himself to be wise in the way that he deals with the affairs of Egypt. There are going to be seven years of plenty, and then there are going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph says, we need to put somebody over the grain crop and make sure that we're storing up grain so that when the seven years of famine come, that we can have enough food to feed all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, you really seem to be a wise person, Joseph. Why don't we put you in charge? And Joseph faithfully and wisely carried himself as a, Christ, as a disciple of, of God. Christians need to be like Joseph in these areas. We're living in a time right now in our country where endurance is hard to come by. Since this whole pandemic thing started earlier this year, and since all kinds of election year politics and, and difficulties have begun, and since we're in a time when nobody really knows where the finish line is, and you listen to the government and they talk about election day, we're not even going to know who the president is by the election day. We're not going to know when we've crossed that finish line. You listen to all this stuff, and people are moving goalposts, and they're moving all kinds of things, and, and you wonder, I wonder how long we have to endure. I wonder how long 
until we cross the finish line in a lot of different areas. And what does that even look like to cross the finish line? We need to hear what God is saying to us. You know what God is saying to us? There's going to be darkness all around you because you live in a dark and a sinful world. And the way to drive out darkness is not with darkness. The way to drive out darkness is with light. Only light can drive out darkness. We're living in a world where there is evil all around us. And the way to drive out evil is not to do more evil. Evil can't drive out evil. Only goodness and holiness can do that. Be holy as I am holy. 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. We're living in a world where there is hatred, and hatred cannot drive out hatred. It never could. All hatred does is foment and manifest and create more hatred. Only love can drive out hatred. That's why Jesus said to you and me, love your enemies. Matthew 5, verse 44. May God's people in these difficult times be a people who are all about being a light to the world. And I'm talking about God's light, not what you think is light. May God's people be a people of holiness. And I'm talking about holiness that reflects what God shows in his word. May God's people be a people who are all about biblical agape love. Where else, what political party, what group or subgroup or political action committee can you look to to find light and holiness and love? Where can you find that anywhere but in the church of Jesus Christ? God's people need endurance because there's a finish line for everything. And the real question of how we handle these times is, Am I being faithful like Joseph, even though it may take years before I see the finish line? Am I being faithful to God, trusting that he has the power to deliver? And that one day, all of these things, all of these finish lines will be crossed. We need to think about how we're behaving right now, all of us. We need to think about what we're saying to each other right now, all of us. We need to ask ourselves the questions, am I showing that I love my neighbor as myself? Am I showing that I want to be and lift up the light of Jesus Christ to the world? Am I demonstrating that holiness, separation from sin, and the glory of God, that that's what I'm all about? Are you demonstrating that? Can people obviously see that in the way that you treat others, in the way that you speak to others? That's endurance. That's what Joseph was doing the entire time. And he had no roadmap. He didn't know what the finish line was going to be. You know what the finish line was for his slavery? Imprisonment. Out of the frying pan into the fire. We don't know where our finish line will be either. And it may well be that some of the things that torment us and tempt us and try us are things that may even go from bad to worse. How are you going to handle it? What are you going to do as a faithful child of God? How will you deal with the trials that come your way? So, you don't know where the finish line is. You don't know how long this will endure. What do you do? What can you know for certain? 
That's a question that needs to be thought about. What can be known for sure? I want you to open with me to some New Testament passages for just a moment. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. While we're waiting for the finish line, while we're enduring difficulty and affliction and mistreatment and trial, what does it mean to be faithful and to endure? What can you know for sure? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. We can know without a doubt that God is gracious. Listen to what Peter says. May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, and there's a lot wrapped up in that little phrase, a while. How long will that be? For Joseph, it was 13 years, a while. After you've suffered for a while, God will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God's gracious. And you can see the blessing of God in the life of Joseph, even when things were unfair, even when he was mistreated. What else can be known for sure? Secondly, turn to Romans 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. God gives healthy perspective to our present. Healthy perspective to our present. What do you mean by that? Listen to the words of Paul in Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If I could compare having to wear a mask and having to be careful about how I treat other people and keeping my social distance, if I could compare those inconveniences and those difficulties and those challenges as much as they might irritate me, if I can compare that with the glory that lies in store for those who are faithful, it's not even a comparison. If I could compare the injustice and the evil that I see in the world with the glory that God has stored up for those who are faithful to Him, I can endure the trials and the tribulations of this life, and I can say like Paul, there is perspective that God gives me in the middle of this difficulty. If I could compare the suffering of going through a lengthy illness and not knowing when, if ever, I will cross the finish line and beat this illness. If I could compare that struggle with the glory that Jesus Christ has stored up for me one day, it's not even worthy to make a comparison. God gives perspective to our present. And Joseph would stand here this morning and he would say amen to all that. You want to talk about being a prisoner? You want to talk about being a slave? Joseph would say, doesn't even compare to what God's got in store for his people when they cross the finish line. Next, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. God knows what's going on in your life, and God cares about what's happening in your life. Casting all your cares upon him, he cares for you. Was that true of Joseph when he was in prison? Was that true of Joseph when he was a slave in Potiphar's household? Did God know what was happening with Joseph? Did God care what was happening with Joseph? 
You know what's astounding about Genesis 39? Most of the time in my life when I've heard men preach on Genesis 39, we talk about the temptation of Joseph. We talk about how he stood up and he was full of integrity and how he had self-control and he didn't give in to temptation. That's all true and that's all right. But you know what's repeated four times in Genesis 39 that we overlook? God was with Joseph. Read it again. Four times, twice in the first six verses, God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God knows and he cares even when things aren't the way they should be. What can I know for sure? At the end of his life, in Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph gives this divine verdict on all that he'd been through, talking to his brothers. You meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. And I'd like to point out that I believe it took several decades for Joseph to be able to make that statement. I believe that Joseph didn't see how the pieces of the puzzle fit together until many, many years after his affliction and his suffering. Providence is like that. Don't look for providence so much yesterday or a week ago. Look for God's providence 20 years ago in your life, and you'll start to see how some of the puzzle pieces might be fitting together. And even then, you just have to say, this certainly looks like what God might be doing. That's the way Joseph looked at it. But one thing that Joseph was sure of, and you and I can be sure of as well, God is reliable, and he's trustworthy, and he will use you and me to bring about the salvation of others and to build up and to edify those who are saved, if we'll let him. You need and I need the discipline of endurance. Don't know where the finish line is going to be. Be faithful. Continue in serving him. Be a person of integrity, of holiness and light and love. That's God's will for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to become a New Testament Christian. How do you do that? Believe in Jesus Christ because he's the one that can save you from your sin. He's the only one who can take away the burden of sin from your life. Confess his name. Repent of your sin. And then be baptized. Be immersed in water. Because when we're immersed in water, we come into contact with the saving blood of Jesus Christ because it's an act of faith. I trust that what God says is true, Colossians 2, 11 through 14. Faith in the working of God. Be baptized for the remission of sin. If you need to make that confession and be cleansed of your sin this morning, or if we can help you by praying with you and praying for you, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?